Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So today, our text passage comes from Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to read most of it together. Joshua chapter 6, so if you have your smartphone or if you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 6. And verse 1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. Verse 6 says, So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once, and they returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. That after 40 years of wondering, after 40 years of waiting and praying in the desert and holding on to a promise, the time had finally come for the fulfillment of the promise. Canaan was the promise. Jericho was the first city in the promised land that the Israelites would conquer with the help of the Lord. 
Jericho was a fortified city, and it was surrounded by an embankment with a stone retaining wall at its base. The retaining wall was approximately 12 to 15 feet high, and on top of that was a mud brick wall six feet thick and about 20 to 26 feet high. At the crest of the embankment was a similar mud brick wall whose base was roughly 46 feet above ground level, outside the retaining wall. So picture these towering walls is what loomed high above the Israelites as they marched around the city each day for seven days. The walls were impenetrable, and it would be physically impossible to scale the height and depth of this fortress but God. I think it was about three years ago when Renee and I were house hunting. We were renting a one-bedroom apartment at the time so that we could save up for a down payment for our little house. We checked the new listings daily, searching for homes that we would like to go see. Our lease was coming up for expiration, so we knew that we needed to move quickly to make a decision. Well, one day as we were searching for available listings, a two bedroom, one bathroom house on a 6,000 square foot lot came up in Long Beach. And just by the pictures, we were in love. We went to go look at it, and I fell in love even more. The home had original hardwood floors throughout, and although the bathroom had the original mint green and pink tile, it didn't bother me one bit. I absolutely loved it. What really sold me, though, was the picture window at the back of the house. It was like the whole wall was a window, and it looked out to the most beautiful backyard. When I stepped outside, I was reminded of my grandpa he had a green thumb like you wouldn't believe, and growing up, we referred to his backyard as our very own secret garden. Well, this particular backyard reminded me of him because it had citrus trees in abundance, bougainvillea and vines growing along the back walls, and there was still a ton of beautiful room outside. Best of all, there was such a sweet spirit about the place. As realtors, Renee and I have walked through countless homes, and each home has a spirit and a feel about it. And everything just felt right about this house. And we believed wholeheartedly that this was going to be our home. So we did what you're supposed to do. We ran straight back to our office, and we wrote an offer for $30,000 more than the asking price because that's how bad we wanted it. We submitted our offer and then the wait began. The seller had three days to review and respond to our offer. Finally, the response came. It came by way of email from the listing agent. And she literally wrote in her email, I don't get it, but my clients have rejected your offer. They feel that your offer is too high, so they have accepted a lower offer. What? On what planet does a seller accept a lower offer? Don't you need that money for moving expenses, for, for upgrades in your new home? Well, I was like, okay, surely there's been some mistake, but 
we asked the listing agent to keep our offer as a backup just in case the offer they move forward with should fall through. And I thought and thought and thought and I thought, surely there's been some mistake. Well, God doesn't make mistakes, but anyway. I thought, surely this house is for us. And one day on my way home from work, something rose up within me and I drove over to that house. Instead of the for sale sign, it now said in escrow. But I'm like, I'm gonna claim this. I believe this house is for me. So I drove to the house and I began to pray as I drove around the house seven times, just like the walls of Jericho. So I'm, by this time, I'm sure the neighbors were like, should we call the cops? What's happening? This girl's like casing the joint, what's going on? Each of the seven times that I circled the house, I claimed it in Jesus' name, and I prayed that it would be mine. I checked the status of the house daily and watched as it switched from active to in escrow to closed. I could not understand why we didn't get the house. It was perfect. Here's the deal. If you march around it seven times and the walls don't come down, it's not your Jericho. It's not your promise. It's not your purpose. It's not your miracle. Some of us are asking God to open a door, but what we're really asking is for God to open this door. This door right here in front of me, open the door to this thing that I want in my life. The problem is that we're standing so close to the door that we want God to open that we're missing the wide open door behind us or to the right, right over there, the one that he's actually prepared for us. We've all heard women say, women say I'm going to marry him. Or men say, I'm going to marry her. I've had a few men tell me they heard from God that I was going to be their wife. Well, that's funny because he hasn't said a word to me. I think we would both hear from God on that, buddy, okay? Thank you, but no. Okay, bye-bye, right? <laughs> that's like the immediate exit. Run. <laughs> if God's talked to you and he hasn't talked to me, it ain't happening, okay? Take care now. Bye-bye. Sometimes we think that a relationship is for us. We are certain. We know as we know as we know that God prepared this person just for me. We claim it. We march around it. We fast and pray for it. And then he goes and marries someone else. Because it's not my Jericho. It's not mine for the taking. Don't you know that God wants what's best for you and for your life? But we are too busy with grieving that lost relationship or that lost opportunity or that lost job or that lost house or that lost apartment or car, you name it, to see that. Here's the problem. We can get so caught up in reliving the past or getting stuck in the imaginary world of what could have been instead of living for the present and being hopeful and full of faith about our future and about what is to come. 
Trust me, dear friends, brothers and sisters, the best is yet to come. God will never show us gold and then let us settle for silver. That's not how he works. So if you think that relationship or that opportunity that you lost out on was awesome, buckle up. Because God has something so much bigger, so much better, so much greater in store for your life. Joshua chapter 24 verse 13 says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities for which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you didn't even plant. I added the even, (laughs) didn't plant. When God has a promise for your life, when it comes to pass, it will exceed every hope, every desire, every expectation. God's promises and the fulfillment of his promises are like an inheritance. We've all heard of and are familiar with the term inheritance, right? You think of that rich uncle that passed away when you think of the word inheritance, and we're all wondering if we have a rich uncle, right? If we do, I want to know about it. So we think about inheritance. Inheritance refers to the assets that an individual leaves to their loved ones after they pass away. An inheritance may contain cash, investments such as stocks or bonds, and other assets such as jewelry, automobiles, art, antiques, and real estate. Inheritances are not earned. It's money, possessions, homes that someone else worked their whole lives for. Assets that someone worked their whole life to accumulate, acquire, and build. I had no part in earning that. Those were the fruits of someone else's labor being handed down to me. God's promises are a lot like that. Because when it's for you, it's greater than you could have hoped for, and you don't always have to work for it. Someone else has done the work, and you get to be the beneficiary of that promise. God gave the Israelites a city that they did not build, abundance that they did not have to work for. The only thing they have to do was, number one, wait on God, 40-year wait, ain't no pick, pick. Wait on God, number one. And number two, they had to be obedient. Waiting on God, if we're all being honest, is easier said than done, isn't it? It is for me. We want the answer now. We want the miracle now. We want the blessing now. We want the fulfillment of the promise now. And when God asks us to wait we grow weary and impatient. And some make the mistakes of making a move when God has asked us to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Friends, if you make a move in a season when God is asking you to stand still, you're going to make a mess of your situation every single time. Take it to the bank. And more often than not, you're going to make a decision that does not serve you and furthermore will result in negative consequences. 
It's like that person that says, I've got to be married by the time I'm 25. Have to. There's no, not even a day more, not even stepping a toe into 26. It has to be 25. People make plans and then invite God into their plans after the fact. No, that's not how it works. God is not held to our timetables. But if that person who says, I have to be married by the time I'm 25, doesn't wait on God, they may end up in divorce because they settled for less than the best God had for them because they interfered with the promise. They grew impatient in the waiting. We have to wait on God and we have to be obedient. I think that in seasons of waiting, we can learn how to listen learn to hear that still small voice we must learn to listen for the leading of God and we must learn to trust because when the time comes for the fulfillment of the promise we've got to be ready to be obedient but if you haven't stopped long enough to learn the voice of your creator in your life to learn how to hear that still small voice when he asks you to do something are you gonna miss it are you standing in the way of your own promise are you standing in the way of your own miracle? We've got to be ready to be obedient. In our text passage, the Bible said that the Israelites were called to march around the city once for six days. On the seventh day, they were to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing trumpets. And after the seventh lap on the seventh day, the whole army was to give a loud shout. You see, God's instructions were very specific. And they had to listen to make sure that they got it right, that they were obedient to what God was asking them to do. But you know, I can just picture it. Here's this fortified city of Jericho. And I envision this city on a hill surrounded with not one but two impenetrable walls. Through human eyes and perspective, it was unconquerable. I'm sure some of the townspeople were even looking down from their homes built into the side of the mountain and maybe scoffing or laughing at the sight before them. These men that look like ants just marching around their city. I'm sure a few people even pulled up a chair and maybe made some snacks just to kind of watch. Like, oh, bless their hearts. Are they getting their daily exercise down there? What's going on? But here's the deal. It's not our job to stop and explain or even try and make sense of our obedience. We just have to listen, trust, and be obedient. It may not ever be understood by the other people looking on in your life, but that's okay. If God asks me to do it, I'm going to listen. It may not make sense to other people, but it's because it's not their Jericho. Am I doing this for other people or for their opinions of other people, or am I doing this because I want my promise? God promised me something, and I'm expecting the fulfillment of that promise. I don't care what it looks like to anybody else. Honey, this ain't your Jericho. This is mine for the taking, right? My dad preached a message on miracles a few years back, and there was one line that I quickly pulled out my phone and I opened my little notes 
app or whatever to, to write it down because it really pierced my heart. He said, people that are intended for the miracle get to be blessed by the miracle. And he went on to say that any squatters that try to muscle in on the miracle with the wrong spirit will be hurt by your miracle. All of the people that were looking down at the Israelites marching around their city ended up being destroyed, except for Rahab and her family as promised. But when those walls came tumbling down by the hand of God at the cry of the Israelites, the Israelites charged that city and they took over. You know, Renee and I are realtors and a lot of prayer goes into serving our clients. We pray and we ask for God's perfect will for the right home for each and every one of them. Well, there was one couple that we were helping and they made an offer, or we helped them write an offer, on a house they absolutely fell in love with. They were like hugging each other, dancing in the backyard, already talking about how they were gonna decorate, their, this is it, this is it, they're jumping up and down like, like they won the lottery. They absolutely fell in love with this house. But they didn't get it. They were devastated. And boy, is that an awkward conversation when they're already talking about what color drapes they're going to hang. And I have to call and say, hi, um, they went with another offer. Really awkward. They like wanted to shut down and not talk to us for like two weeks because they needed to mourn the loss of that house. I get it, right? We've all been there. We really wanted something we thought we were going to have, but we probably even took our parents by to go see it, and then someone else got it. They didn't get it. They were devastated. And I actually, in talking to my sister about that transaction just this week, I found out that she told me she drove around that house seven times and claimed it for them. And they didn't get it. Because it wasn't their Jericho. Well, needless to say, God had better in store for them. Because not even a day later from the day they said, we need a break. We need just some time to regroup. Literally, the next day, I found a house that was a million times better than the one they had lost out on. And it was comparable in price, so it wasn't like a big price jump either. And all of a sudden, this home that they lost out on didn't even matter. They forgot all about it because God blessed them with more. I took them to see it and they quickly saw that God blessed them with a home far beyond their dreams. And you know what? It was such an easy and smooth transaction. Why? Because when God is in it, it will always be easy. He fights for us. When the promise is for us, there was always going to be abundance tied to it, and I guarantee you that it will be greater, it's going to be bigger, it's going to be better, and more than you had ever envisioned for your own self. Because God wants to bless us with the best. And you know what? I think sometimes, you know how sometimes you think you have a bad hair day and that's the day that everyone gives you a compliment? Or you're just having a really rough morning and that's the day when God's grace just comes in like a flood. We often, even if we don't think highly of ourselves, people, God wants the best for us. 
And unfortunately, sometimes we limit our own selves and limit God's power in our life because we don't think we're deserving of it. None of us are deserving, but God wants to give us more than we're willing to settle for. God is for us. Say that with me. God is for us. Now let's make this personal. I want you to say, my God is for me. My God is for me. Again, my God is for me. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You know, it's funny, but I've heard therapists say in couples counseling, when, they, when a husband says, well, she this and she that, and then the wife is pointing back at him, the therapist stops them and says, don't say she, don't say he. Say my husband and my wife. Because the moment we take ownership of the person sitting next to us, my husband, my wife, chances are you're going to choose your words a little bit more wisely because I chose that person. They're mine, right? God is ours. He's my Lord and my God. I heard Daniel praying, uh, I don't know how long ago, but it caught me. And ever since, I've heard him say, my Lord and my God. He had his eyes closed. He had no idea anybody was listening. But I heard him talk to the Lord, my Lord and my God. It's, my, it's a relationship. And you want to make it personal? Call him your Lord and your God because he is your Lord and your God. as it is sometimes to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Sometimes we ask for something and we're like, oh, I'm just going to say amen. Jesus' name, amen. I can't say nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, because I want my will to be done. No, not my will, but your will be done in my life, Lord. And sometimes we have to pray for courage to accept his will. Because we know that maybe his will isn't going to be what we're asking for. So give us courage, give us strength to carry us through. Even if your will means complete opposite of what I'm praying for, give me the strength to make it through. We can only see so much from our vantage point. But our God sees all. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what will help me and he knows what will hurt me what will bless me, and what will destroy me. If it's not your Jericho, there's a reason. We want the perfect will of God in our lives. Not my wants, his plan. Not my dreams, his purpose for my life. So we need to stop wasting another minute grieving someone else's Jericho. Is that easier said than done? Oh, absolutely. And I'll be the first to admit that in seasons where I didn't understand why the walls didn't come tumbling down in my own life, tears rolled down my face as I said, thank you. Instead of asking why, say thank you. 
I don't understand why, but you see all. Thank you, God. Thank you. I bless you through the disappointment. I glorify you through the season of waiting, and I worship you for giving someone else their Jericho. Instead of grumbling and complaining that something should have been yours, why don't you thank God that you were able to witness someone else obtain their Jericho, their blessing, their promise, their miracle? Don't you know if he did it for them, he can do it for you? We have a hard time waiting five minutes at the Starbucks line, let alone 40 years like the Israelites did to enter into their promised land. After 40 years, though, they literally walked right into their miracle. That's how easy it was. There was no combat. There was no war. There was, I mean, kind of, but keep reading. But anyway, they walked right in to their miracle, okay? They marched right in to their miracle. It was that easy. God handed them the promise. We've all been guilty of romanticizing things. We look at people, relationships, possessions, homes, you name it, through rose-colored glasses. We only see what we choose to see. We see our soulmate, and God sees red flags, so we don't get that relationship. We see our dream home, and God sees the criminal next door, or the flood, or the earthquake, or the fire, so we don't get the home. We see our dream car, and God sees that we're about to lose our job so we don't get the car. Be patient. Trust God. Meditate on him. Lean on him. And I don't know about you, but at this point in my life, I'm frankly unwilling to settle for less than the best that God has for me. I don't see what's around the bend, but I serve a God that knows what's up next, today, tomorrow, and next year. When the promise is for you, there will be no question, not a single doubt. You will know as you know as you know that it's for you because it's easy. When it's right, God will open a door that you didn't earn, that you don't deserve, to a place of abundance that you didn't build. Your Jericho will be an inheritance far greater than you could ever have imagined or envisioned for your own life. God, help us to want what you want for our lives. Help us to step into the callings and the purpose that you have placed on each and every one of us. God, help us to desire the things of you and let us never, ever settle for less than the best that you have for us. Let us all hold out for our promise for our answer, for our Jericho. Okay, you guys, I promised you last Sunday that I had something very special for each of you, and I do, so let me go grab it. Remember in school when everybody would like pass out Valentines and you're pretending not to like keep an eye on your little box collecting all the Valentines and you get really excited about the ones that have a little mini snicker bar on them or a musketeer and just the cute little notes and then if you know you had your little crushes and you see if they drop one in your basket or whatever Valentines are just the best thing ever and at, on what planet should adults not get Valentines so you guys are all my Valentines today, and I have a cookie made by Dolce Vacanza Blessings 
for each and every one of you, but here's the deal. Each of you are going to get two because you're going to get one and then you're going to give one. The tags on all of the heart-shaped cookies say you are loved, Romans 5.8, and then it has our church website. So I want you, even men, come on. Yes, it says you are loved, but who cares, okay? Hand it to someone that could use a little reminding in your workplace, the security guard at work, the person that opens the door for you, the janitorial staff, maybe a coworker that's going through something, set this on their desk. Give them a little reminder, okay? So happy Valentine's Day. I love you all to pieces. God bless you. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.